how was your Brexit? It turns out they did give give the EU. <laughs> they they did give it up. Kind of ironic. Well, I think the first thing I've seen post Brexit that tells me a little bit about how uh, the how things are going is mm-hmm. um, if you have you heard about uh, a, a mobile toilet? Uh what? Um, Toto LTD's mobile toilet was interesting. Premiered at uh, CES. Okay. How was your CES, by the way? Uh, you know, not so great. Yeah, my CES, man, give or take. I, toilet... I hate when my CES flares up. <laughs> the toilet, the toilet manufacturer Toto, not to be confused with the adorable dog from The Wizard of Oz, or or the uh, band with the song. With yes, that with the song, yes, right. You, you know the song. I'm, <laughs> I'm yes, definitely I, deliberately choosing not to play it. And obviously I have it on my soundboard and I'm not just stalling for time. Yeah. I, I bless, I bless the drains <laughs> down at CES. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, at CES. In, <laughs> at, uh, at Las Vegas, the company uh, is showing how they they are a, developing an app that brings a portable restroom trailer to a, a spot kid, but, near the location the call is made. But, it is uh, well, Uber for potties. Okay, but this actually have you ever been in like uh you know an unfamiliar city and you need to go, Listen. but you don't like want to like wander into the Starbucks and be like, hmm, can I use a restroom? <laughs> I would love I, to just like request a toilet on demand. This is something I would hate about myself that I use all the time. I know. Like, I mean, <laughs> I would, you know what? I wouldn't even pay like on demand. I would pay monthly just for the <laughs> opportunity. I would subscribe to this <laughs> service. <laughs> poop, poop, poops is a just be downtown and be like, oh man, oh, I really got. <laughs> Bring it. How long is it going to take? Five minutes? I can hold it. I, I hate. I hate uh, going number two in public. Yeah, I hate it. I hate. I hate. I hate using public restrooms like that. I'm unfamiliar with. I. I don't know what it is. Well, and they often don't have bidets, which is just a, a prerequisite <laughs> at this. Point. I. I've never bidetted, but I. I just. I feel like it's one of those situations that I want to be tactically prepared for. I want to know what I'm getting into. I want yeah, to know you what do my resources are going to be. Right. Well, and you like to have an idea ahead of time of like, you know, what the how clean the toilet is going to be. And for a public toilet, you don't get that. I mean, you open up the mystery door, and who knows what will greet you beyond? Yeah, and I'm. Yeah. I'm just. I'm just not a fan of that. Um, but this is also. Um, this is also a sign that our society is crumbling. That, yeah. That we're definitely collapsing. Uh, I imagine that in about a few years, it will emerge that, in fact, these um, toilet trucks have just been spilling sewage onto the road instead of properly disposing of it. <laughs> well, I learned... Like, I that's, the, that's the moral arc of these kinds of companies. Yeah, like, where does the poo go? You know what like I they're, mean? They're like, going to have to pay, like, several million to, like, decontaminate some They're going to have streets. to create, like, some sort of, like, private public infrastructure interface. Because how do you, what, like, I, how, where do you deliver the poop? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> this is I mean, I guess porta-potties do that already. 
Well, this is the thing too, is you can usually go to like a, like a, like an outdoor store, like a Cabela's that sells like RVs. Cause sometimes they have like a, a place that you can, I mean, or like any campground for big campers. Cause they usually have a, a tube that you can drain your, you know, your, your unspeakables into. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's it'll be tactically located in and around campgrounds just because they need that infrastructure. Either that or you will see. I mean, you'll see an, a viral image of like one of these trucks pulled up and just dumping sewage into a storm drain in like New York City. Yeah, <laughs> you hate to see it. Speaking of hating to see it. Oh no, I think something's happened to our connection. Uh oh, yeah. Okay, there you are you there? I'm there. I'm okay. looking to see if something is doing anything. Yeah, I'm checking my, my backblaze. I'm checking my my NZB. Um nothing. I'm checking my No, no, I think it's not our fault. Wow. Amazing. Well, you know. This people give it could be for. that the deep state is trying to silence us. They or it's Toto. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> They're surveilling us. They big, are big. Big toilet is surveilling us. That's you know. This is why I keep saying you can't buy the Toto washlet. It has too many electronics. You don't know what's in there. They're going to oh. build Alexa into those things. They're going to be listening to you as you poop. Oh, and then they'll have all your all your number two and number one data. They're gonna have poop analytics. They're gonna give it to your insurance company. They're gonna they're gonna figure out that you have colon cancer before you take <laughs> and, and cancel your, your coverage. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> um, okay, well, this has been a barber. We're only two topics in. Uh, we yeah. should move on to the. You had a, you had something to bring up. I have. This is just a short take. Um, you know. Whoa. Oh wait, I feel going. I should. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just didn't want to leave that the the mental dookie in there, so we got to flush it out. Okay. Yes, I apologize. Someone was revving their car outside, and I did have to prepare myself in the event that they were going to come crashing through my apartment. Um, you never know. You're right. You have to be prepared for these kinds of things. Um, this is a take of mine. Um, you know, in collecting material for the show, I save things to Instapaper um, so that I can then transfer them into our document. The problem is I, I usually see the headline of something, put it in Instapaper, but don't read it. And then when it comes time to right. put it in the show notes, I also don't have time to read it because these things are simply too long. Uh, in fact, they've, they've been purposefully branded that way. They're called long reads now. And I just want to say, stop it. Knock it off. Um, I do not have the time to read your ridiculous screeds. Please calm it down. 500 words or less. Literally? It's, it's just like... It's too much. I'm not. I'm not Ty Lambo. I'm not sitting around here with shelves and shelves of books and yeah. My, nothing my, else to do. I, I don't have the time for that. You know. Yeah. Like we all have things, things getting, to do. Things are. When getting am I supposed to long. read this? Ugh. Yeah. Boil it down, folks. Boil it down. Speaking and of to things. Explain, <laughs> to explain that. Speaking of things that are too long. Uh, so recently, Liz Brunig, uh, who we are a fan of on this program, we stand um, Liz. She she had a job change. She recently moved from the Amazon Washington Post to the failing New York Times. So congrats to her. Although, like, I'm not sure where you go from there. I like as an op-ed columnist. 
is there an is there that feels like the ceiling but i don't know well, that I think I think the the only next level up is to be this guy. You oh, worked for a company that was fixing bread prices. But that is true. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah, you have to join the uh, the Ed board, but yeah. yeah. So, uh she recently had a job change, of course, in our system that entails a change in insurance and often a momentary lapse in health insurance, and indeed in her case, there was a momentary lapse of health insurance and she tweeted about it. Um a tweet which she has now deleted for reasons that will become apparent in a moment. For but these, um, yeah, she was by many lefties. She was um, lamenting that you know, like because insurance is dumb, that she's going to have like a month where it's going to cost a lot of money to get her um, newborn child vaccinated and stuff because our system is silly. Very cool. Um, this could not be allowed to stand, and so <clears throat> a very uh, uh, a generous man named Chris Jacobs. Um, lent his time to explain in 20 tweet threads uh, or tweets, a 20 tweet thread, um, exactly how simple the American healthcare system actually is and why Liz Brunig's tweet was stupid. Um, and you know that this guy is totally good faith because he's written a book entitled The Case Against Single Payer. And uh, he's a senior contributor for Federalist, which is a far right uh, news source. We don't so. really want what we think we desire. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of the point of his tweet thread, but uh, I am going to read all 20 oh, tweets. No, 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 no. Okay, I'll read some of them. <laughs> um, it says, first of all, Liz says she's uninsured because she switched jobs, but she didn't ex say exactly why. It's possible that both Washington Post and New York Times don't offer health coverage to their employees, but I doubt it. If she had exchange coverage while at WAPO, she could potentially qualify for a special enrollment period if her income dropped to such an extent that she now qualifies for Obamacare subsidiary. But the likelier scenario is that she faces a waiting period between the time her employer coverage at WAPO ends and her New York Times coverage begins. Under Obamacare, however, employers can impose waiting periods of no more than 90 days, so she would face at most a three-month wait until her New York Times coverage kicks in. In the meantime, she can elect COBRA from the Washington Post for the three-month or so gap. COBRA is expensive, but for three months, it would cost a few grand at most. Do I have sympathy for a New York Times colonist who says she can't afford a bill amounting to a few thousand bucks? Absolutely not. Uh... New York Times writers make decent income, for one. For two, how does Liz think business owners like me manage our budgets with irregular cash flow? Pro tip, if you can't manage your budget, maybe stop calling for the government to manage people's budgets for them, question mark? But then we get into the real meat of it. <clears throat> and it's, it says, beyond that... Uh, Liz could minimize her COBRA insurance expenses in other ways. You can elect COBRA when leaving a job, but not pay for it if you don't incur medical expenses. Because billing for COBRA policies is by definition retrospective, you can see whether paying for the policy is worth it, particularly when talking about a short-term gap in coverage. For instance, if you incur $100 in medical expenses in a given month, but your COBRA premium is $1,000, you should go bare, decline to pay the COBRA premium after you've elected it, and become uninsured retroactively. This... O only works in short-term situations, of course, but it does work, and it likely would have worked in her case. Um, and then he goes on, uh, he talks about minute, minute clinics and other short-term uh, things, and basically says, I don't have any sympathy for her because she makes a lot of money. Um, I did reply to his tweet where he got into like, oh, you can get Cobra, but you cannot pay for it. And I said, um, Chris, to be clear, you think that this is a better solution than Medicare for All? And he did not reply. Um, 
I am going. I'm. I thought about replying to demand satisfaction and demand that he reply, but uh, I think he gave up. But um, first of all, that doesn't sound real. That you can like elect something and then be like, "Oh, J.K., never mind. Not going to pay for it." Um, but and also, great that's system a you got system. here. Right. Um, everyone loves filling out forms. Also, he's like, "Well, you should just do insurance fraud." Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All of listen. All of us smart people are doing it. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Just do insurance fraud. That's better. I just like oh, uh, yeah. Matt's response that he was like, "Oh, when you put it like that, it sounds pretty simple." <laughs> <laughs> well, and I tweeted. I said the main goal of the U.S. healthcare system is to minimize cost and maximize profit, which means discouraging you from getting or receiving any kind of care at all. This is supposed to be good. <laughs> I just people on the internet. Well, it's kind of nice when you just let people, you just give people the space to, you know, uh, set themselves on fire. Basically. It's like, you know what? Why don't you just go at it and see how this turns out for you in the end? And you go there. I've made a 20 tweet thread about the extremely complicated steps that you can take to avoid this precise scenario, which is obviously better than a system that, you know, uh, uh, prevents this sort of thing from happening in the first place. It's See, like the trolley problem, except the two lines are um, you lose your healthcare coverage. You have several options for maintaining coverage in the gap. And the other one is you have healthcare coverage. <laughs> I just feel like on the one hand, giving all of these chuckleheads a platform is destructive to all of our mental health. But oh, on the other hand, absolutely true. giving all of these chuckleheads a platform reveals the stupidity of their entire ideology in the, the whole system holding them up. So like, I don't know whether it's a net positive or negative, but apparently we have to suffer through it. Yeah. That, we, uh, unfortunately us, we have to listen to them. That brings us to our favorite, favorite chucklehead. Yeah. Uh, but Stevens. Bed, bed bug himself, but Stevens. Uh, he has written a column entitled Bernie's Angry Bros. And before we begin, I just want to remind you that this is the guy who recently published an op-ed that included a photo of Joseph Goebbels, who was uh, Hitler's propaganda minister, um, largely because he got called a bedbug. And he argued that that was, in fact, anti-Semitic based on um, a very cherry-picked quote from like someone's master's thesis or something. It was extremely obscure. Um, so he's obviously not mad. He's extremely not mad, um, but he's written an article about Bernie bros. I started to read it and then I determined that there were better things to do with my time. But um, of course, this is just like one of about seven or eight op-eds that have come out in the past week and it's a half. It's been a week, hasn't it? You know, I, it's interesting that there are suddenly a lot of Republicans who just have some very good faith advice to give Democrats. <laughs> I mean, you've got uh, you've got Bud Stevens, you've got um, Renifer Jubin, um, uh -huh. Jonathan Jait. Mm -hmm. They're all just great people with great records that are not problematic in any way. And, and they also definitely aren't like, um, you know, there's, in fundamental conflict with the Democratic there's Party. That, there's Max. There's Max. Max Boom. Boom. Head, head, what's his name? Head Moon Max. Oh, Maximum Boot. Maximum Boot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all, all right. of them. Yeah, they're all. I mean, this is the thing: is um, these people? They're on Twitter. 
they have the little check mark next to them, which means you're supposed to take them seriously. Twitter has determined that they are meant to be taken seriously. And they certainly act that way. They make a lot of serious pronouncements. Um, but of yeah, course, if you read to be experts, right? Yeah, that's that's their whole thing as pundits is that they're supposed to be experts. That's how they became a pundit is because they're supposed to be smart. And yeah. so you're supposed to trust them. That trust is supposed to be based on some sense that they know something about what they're talking about. But they don't. They don't. And it becomes incredibly obvious when you actually start reading their tweets or the things that they they write that they're just as clueless as we are. They're yes. no smarter than us on yes. this dumb show. Yeah, no, literally, literally they're they could they could they could possibly be dumber than us i mean i'm not sure how that's possible but i'm leaving that door well, i have open. a few thoughts but yeah <laughs> they, they no, they're just constantly the showing their asses they're just constantly revealing how right. venal and stupid and petty and and they have a complete lack of self-awareness i mean lack of self-awareness is rampant on twitter in general people take it entirely too seriously Oh, that's like the, and it's like the whole, all social media is designed to make you take yourself too seriously or become a nihilist irony pig. Right. And it's like, this is the the fundamental conflict. The light side and the dark side of this is, this is pundits versus Bernie bros. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you have bernie bros basically well okay i don't know that i want to buy into bernie bros as like a a general concept but i think what happens is the pundits from here on out when we refer to bernie bros it is ironically because i don't think either of us believe that is massive scare quotes (laughs) bernie bros yeah Um, Yeah. bernard brethren um yeah uh, well, see, what happens is you have someone like Jennifer Rubin who makes a d- very dumb tweet and then people reply to her and say, this is a dumb tweet and you should consider deleting it because it makes you look dumb. And then they reply and go, wow, look at these people harassing me. My mentions. <laughs> and it's like you're, you you are a public. This is something also that gets that gets lost in the whole thing, that there's a difference between uh, a public and a private person. Right. And yeah, that, that's what the whole verified checkmark basically signifies. But they want to behave. They, they want all the benefits of being a public person. Right. They don't want any of the consequences. And and folks, there's consequences to being a public person. Like legally, if you are a public person, your what you can what you can take someone to task over, what you can take someone to court over changes because. Because it is an unequal relationship. If some yeah. bozo on the internet you like, this defames the- you, right? it's different than you, a public person with a huge platform and a position of authority, defaming a nobody on the internet. Right. And this was the whole thing about the Brett Stevens bed bug thing, is it was one guy on Twitter who was like, oh, Brett Stevens is a bed bug. And then he threatened to sue for defamation and then wrote a column and it's like my dude you have all the power here yeah you're not you're not the victim here yeah (laughs) it's it's a huge difference you writing like oh electing bernie would be uh an incredible mistake and then me replying saying pee pee poo poo you know like this is it's it's silly um and the thing that you have to to think about when you read all these takes on Twitter is firstly that you shouldn't, but I know that we all indulge from time to time. Um, you know, when you see someone with a, what you think is like a, wow, that's kind of a take. 
uh, just click into their bio or um, Google their name, and you'll probably find out that uh, like they let's were a Republican or you know frequently in the case of like Jonathan Shate, they were supportive of the Iraq War and things like or that. Or they have like a vested financial interest in undermining the thing they're attempting to undermine. Like right. they have a stake in the game. They're not just a uh, noble uh, arbiter just just trying to tell the facts, you know. Right. They're not dedicated to truth. They're dedicated to protecting themselves. <laughs> and this is, you know, I finally broke down and I texted you and I said, you know, I wish that all of these articles about how like, uh, oh, Bernie can't get elected, that they really should just be writing. I don't want Bernie to get elected because that's basically what they're saying. But they don't. The problem is, it. I guess it doesn't have the the um, air of expertise if it's merely a personal appeal. Instead, you have to make it sound like there is some sort of basic fundamental reason that bernie can't get elected instead of you just saying well i don't like him for these reasons right instead, you go, well more faces these, you know the laws of the universe will prevent him from being elected and so it's silly to support him yeah it's trying to create and manipulate a narrative rather than to actually argue and convince somebody on the merits right uh it's and, and you wonder it's really hard to tell whether well, it's, people are just high on their own supply or whether they are cynically uh, manipulating this system. And I, I I'm think, not sure, sure so much of the time because they some of them seem fairly insane. Right. Well, and I think, you know, we've talked a lot about certain candidates being the mod candidates in that they're the candidates who want to like uh you know be able to enforce the rules like right. you know and call mods on people but that is basically what they're doing is they're saying instead of arguing like you know against you on the merits they just want to say like well your argument is invalid for these reasons that i've laid out and so i don't even need to make a counterpoint you, you <laughs> just you just don't have an argument yeah and, so and that's and, that and, and their whole just demanding civility, like as if they're not the ones creating the situation in the first place. Right. And that, yeah, two more points here. One is demanding civility is just a way to stifle dissent because this is the thing. We've seen this in play with Hillary Clinton's recent remarks because she's promoting a Hulu show and Bernie Sanders in that um, Hillary comes out and says, Bernie is bad. Nobody likes him. And he didn't support me. And everyone's like, mm, she's fine. And then when uh, a campaign surrogate for Bernie um, basically expresses disapproval through booing, everyone's like, oh, my God, how dare you? <laughs> this, this is, is the conduct worst. Unbecoming. It's, it's treasonous. So it's just a way to stifle dissent that you don't like, you know, people that you do like, they can talk all they want and as inflammatory as they want. But as soon as someone says something you disagree with, you go, now that's not very civil. And it's important that we have civility and unity. And that's yeah. the thing is that this this unity only goes one way. The the left of the party does not get the unity. Right. And and. and there's also something really sinister here because there's there's. There's a very there's a very constructed manufactured tactic that we know about because of reporting in 2016 that the Hillary Clinton campaign purposefully created the Bernie Bros myth <laughs> phenomenon phenomenon <laughs> they, they manufactured this idea and kept talking about it 
as a way to alienate people of color and women and, and, and people who are in uh, groups outside of the cis straight white dude, young dude, you know? Right. Um, but when you look at the numbers, when you actually look at who supports Bernie Sanders, it's like a huge coalition and it's, it, yeah. it's more diverse than all than like i think at this point it's more diverse than anybody's coalition oh i'm i'm sure it has to be i mean but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't benefit them to to do that instead they would like to to portray bernie's support base as just white and male and then go well he doesn't have broad-based appeal right and i realize that's rich because there's two white guys on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on this podcast talking about that, but it's right. it's tr- well, I mean, we are it's just true to say this. We are we're paid Bernard brothers. Yeah, we're official campaign surrogates, right? <laughs> but you know, it, it's one thing I want to say too is that I'm not saying that you know there aren't uh, obnoxious people on Twitter who genuinely say terrible things. I'm just saying that um, I don't think it's a phenomenon solely limited to Bernie supporters. I mean, have you ever read someone's Twitter who's like a member of the K hive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, They're it, still mad. They are still <laughs> mad. They they like black pill. They just like <laughs> I was gonna say Man, like they make scary. me go like, whoa, geez, that's a little far. That's like they're like turning into Al Qaeda over here. <laughs> like it's <laughs> bad news. Yeah. Um and the, and and that brings us to like another thing that we wanted to talk about which is a really good question to ask somebody whenever they try to they try to tell you something as if it's like a accepted truth. Yeah, but the conventional this, wisdom. It's like I get this phrase a lot from from folks is the well that's you know the conventional wisdom says that blah blah blah. And um it comes down to um what the media uh, or you know the sources that we read uh choose to show us. Because they have to make decisions about what they show and what they don't show. Um, so the question right. that you ask is, you've seen it or you've been shown it? Right. <laughs> which is a really good question. It ties into that whole nutpicking thing. Right. But which is kind of extreme examples. But like when you're in the discourse and you're dialoguing, mm-hmm. you're talking with people. That's like, well, you know, you always see that these people doing this and it's like do you do you really right or have you well we've we've seen that uh this sort of um socialist appeal is not successful uh amongst the uh demographics that are required to win it's like have we observed that yeah i mean this is my whole thing in general lately is that i'm i just ask like are you sure are you sure about that how sure are you about that (laughs) right because people don't I mean, they just take these things for granted and they don't really think about whether they it makes sense or where it comes from and what the motivations were behind it. The media, whether consciously or unconsciously, I don't want to necessarily say that there's like a, a giant conspiracy here. It's just that the nature of the fact that there is limited time means that you have to make decisions about what you publish. And so you end up publishing an, you know, a narrative that is inherently biased. Sometimes it can be biased in a way that you think is good, other times not. But the thing is, they they have incentives, which means that the things that they show you drive engagement and attention. And unfortunately, this leads to a sort of race to the bottom where they show you extreme examples. They do nutpicking all the time. Yeah, I, mean, I, I sort of saw this 
we fall into this still you and i i mean that's mostly what our text thread is is like (laughs) dumb videos of people saying dumb things on twitter things like that i saw one today where um they were asking voters um in the or you know people in the uk after brexit happened they're like or during you know i guess at 11 p.m or whatever they're going around on the street you know and interviewing people and they said you know what? Why are you excited about Brexit? And this one person said, "Oh, we've taken our court backs from from Germany." And it's like, "That's not what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like plainly, that's just what? It doesn't make any sense." But is every Brexit voter like that? Probably not. So this is the thing. But they don't get clicks if they just have a video of the guy who's like, "Oh, well, I, you know, I have serious concerns about the." European Union and blah 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 and things like that because that just it's boring to be honest <laughs> it doesn't get well, you clicks and, and views and, and ad and revenue you realize that the the most media outlets whole thing is to create a a drama they're trying to create a conflict right and they're trying to get your blood pressure up and and simple straightforward black and white kind of conflicts are easier to digest. They're easier to sell to people. They're easier to explain. They're easier to mass produce in a quick fashion and to keep rolling out. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, you, you do miss nuance, (laughs) right? My, my dad who is on the opposite side of the political spectrum for me has, has realized this lately because he texted the other day and he's like, I can't listen to talk radio in the car anymore. They, They are just too, you know, um, hyperbolic. They just get too, it's like it amps me up too much, you know. It gets me too worried, and uh, honestly, it's smarter yes. than me because I still listen yes. to news podcasts in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, you had a you had a pretty good uh, Orwell quote that you know it's it's probably the height of like pretentiousness to like compare anything. Yeah, to we're going to this is I want you to this why we're than all the op-ed columnists is because we're now going to quote from 1984 to demonstrate that we've read a book. Right. This is a quote that I think about a lot, um, mostly out of the actual context of it, but it's, the party told you to reject evidence of your eyes and ears. It was the final, most essential command. And I just think about that so much, um, how much we're just being trained to ignore what we can see and hear for ourselves in favor of some other version of the truth yeah and the question the question that that brings up is why did this happen and you can find all sorts of answers but the the thing that i think both of us keep coming back to is that that it's it's a class issue like you don't have to be a marxist to realize that there that people in in, general look out for their interests as they perceive them right in fact there was a we should put it in there was just came out today this video from cbs where um oh yeah that was this morning video where he goes around with pies and asks people to um uh you know like divide up the pie based on what what the folks think each 20 percent of the population in terms of income how much of the pie they have and then how much of the pie they actually have. And you see that people have this understanding once you sort of show it to them. They they figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah, and 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 
I think I think I'm I'm I I've been thinking a lot about lately because a lot of these a lot of these critiques or fights online mm-hmm. over especially you know Bernie Sanders his surrogates people I wouldn't know anything about that I'm not on Twitter people who are seen as leftists <laughs> you know a lot of these fights are are along these weird lines where people are claiming that folks on the left are ignoring issues of identity. So they're ignoring, they're ignoring issues of Uh, race. They're ignoring issues of sexuality. They're ignoring issues of gendered, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. at the expense of this hard headed class idea that they have and that they're missing. But I think what, I think what those, liberalism, (laughs) what those (laughs) things miss is they miss an understanding of like, from where do all of these, uh, these conflicts stem? Right. Like, why, why do people hate other races? Why mm-hmm. is there racism? Is it just a natural human thing? I, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think people are born and they're just like, yeah, you know, because someone has a different shade of skin than me. <laughs> right. That I inherently envision them as a, as a different class of being like, you know, and a lot of this stems from issues of power and issues of class. And I think I, every time I see these dumb people having these, these arguments, I just want, I just, I just want them to go and spend like a few days reading and watching videos uh, of Fred Hampton. Mm Mm-hmm. So Fred Hampton was a Black Panther Party leader in Chicago, and he was basically murdered <laughs> oh, by, okay. by the Chicago police and, and FBI. Who knows, you know, which one oh, wanted it worse. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that the Chicago police have since refrained from doing anything similar. They, or And the FBI. Neither has right. a bad record of. Uh, yeah. This was just an aberration. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, (laughs) I don't want to go further than that. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to do something which is probably not great, but I'm going to read from a speech that he gave because I think it spells out this stuff. So this is a reading series. Now, I I believe that there may be some N-words in here, which I'm not going to say. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm, it's perfectly within my right. As <laughs> I, I can't, man. What is wrong uh, with people? I'm not going to do that. No, no. Uh, in case you couldn't tell, that was that was being. That's insulted. a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> you, so, and I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to pretend to to speak like him. I'm not going to read this in uh, African American vernacular. (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to read this straight up. You're not going to be all Katie Hopkins on this thing. (laughs) So, so here it goes. He said, uh, you know, a lot of people have hangups with the party because the party talks about a class struggle and the people that have those hangups are opportunists and cowards and individualists and everything that's anything but revolutionary. And they use these things as an excuse to justify and to alibi and to bonify their lack of participation in the real revolutionary struggle. So they say, well, I can't dig the Black Panther Party because the Panthers, they're engrossed with dealing with oppressor country radicals or white people or hunkies or what have you. Just a parenthetical. I love it. It's hunkies instead of honkies. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's funny. Okay, <clears throat> back to the quote. They said these are some of the excuses that I use to negate really why I'm not in the struggle. We got a lot of answers for these people. First of all, we say primarily that the priority of this struggle is class. It was one of class, the oppressed, those other classes, the oppressor. And it's got to be a universal fact. Those that don't admit to that are those who don't want to get involved in a revolution because they know that as long as they're dealing with a race thing, they'll never be involved in a revolution. When the party started to talk about class struggle, we found that we had to start talking about some guns. If we ever never negated the fact that there was racism in America, but you said that when you, the byproduct that comes off of racism, that capitalism comes first and next is racism, that when they brought slaves over here, it was to make money. So first the idea came that we want to make money, then the slaves came in order to make that money. That means that capitalism had to, through historical fact, racism had to come from capitalism. It had to be capitalism first, and racism was a byproduct of that. Non-participation in the struggle are the people who fail to make a commitment, and the only thing that they are going for them is that education that they receive in these institutions education enough to teach them some alibis we're going we're talking about destroying the system and they have hang-ups repentant capitalists they'll never repent and they know better we try to make excuses for them maybe they'll have to go through stages fred no no that's much older than we are. I'm 21. We're all young. So stages and used to do what he's doing. And how do you fool you? Because they pick the leader. they want and they put those yeah but the the whole point that these things are related and if you if you refuse to talk about one falls yeah, on you right. right it tells that what you're rather than mm -hmm. to take it down because you have an interest in the system right. and buddy i don't mean that's like <laughs> it's like very self-apparent. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, but. Well, I just, I depth. And if you're out. Out here saying like, oh, you guys are levels to understand that like is talking about race because. Because. They go together. They do not tie each other. In yeah. fact, they empower right. each other. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive <laughs> by any. And but it's just that you only to, to make these. Connections. Civil rights movement. Which was a whole lot 
which mm-hmm. which 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 a con- and then I think of the hippie movement, which um you know I would argue accomplished very little. Um, uh, I mean, I, I do not think the hippie movement ended Vietnam. <laughs> I yeah. do not think that. I think a lot of those people wanted to take credit for that. But what well, they and a lot of people who were hippies just grew up to be normal <laughs> capitalist adults. So well, and and what you see happened was was the civil rights. What differed between them that the hippie movement was basically completely adopted by uh by the market it was right. completely absorbed yeah, by by capitalists and right it was it became it was, like a fashion trend i mean that's mostly what it's known right. for these days right so. and so that that's what happens when you remove identity <laughs> from all from class and from all these other issues of power mm-hmm and, and and because they're they're more than willing to sell you it, right? Well, but it, it's interesting too. You mentioned the civil rights movement. How much of that has been literally whitewashed? Um, you know, we celebrate Martin Luther King Day, um, but you don't learn in classes in school about um, how much uh, against capitalism he was. And so I was grateful for folks posting um, some of his quotes. Um, yeah. railing against the evils and of how, capitalism. And how much the civil rights movement, even even the stuff that like was not viewed as radical, like uh, putting aside like the Black Panther Party or anything like that, people like Martin Luther King, uh, um, those things, they organized workers. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It, was, it was a class thing. Right. <laughs> they didn't say, man, this racism sure sucks. Well, let's go and uh and uh lobby our benefactors and try to push for policies that are gonna make things better. No, they organized strikes, right? They did actual yeah. action in the streets. <laughs> this is this is so far removed from like the way we exercise our identity, uh issues today and that's because identity is easily marketized mm-hmm. and there's a really good example of that <laughs> that i just learned about mm. um which is a, a company you, you, you teased this to me before the show and my interest was peaked i don't know why the link isn't working here maybe i already have it open um no it's not working for me either but i'll find it okay well it's uh it's at the cut. There we the go. Cut.com. Okay. I'll f- did you fix it? Do I, uh, I pasted it, it in. <laughs> so <laughs> Lingua Franca is a, a a company that makes bespoke uh hand stitched embroidered cashmeres, among okay. other things. Right. I follow. That's that doesn't seem weird. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, it sounds a little weird, but it doesn't seem that weird. So one office of the fashion brand Lingua Franca is in the Warren of spaces below the Jane hotel where Diana Jaffe an embroiderer is working on a white sweater with we, the people stitched in red and blue thread that will sell for $380. Okay. That's pretty weird. (laughs) So I don't want to read this whole thing since we've already done a lot of reading on this episode, but basically, this is a company that began selling things on eBay. They would they would do like twee 
like white lady looking fashion, but mm. they would stitch yeah, things like this Miss is like Biggie, live, left, love flat original gangsta <laughs> on their stuff, and they realized like with the whole uh, rise of Donald Trump and the Me Too movement and all these things that that they had this uh, quote unquote political awakening, aka uh, oh that's great, seeing yeah. dollar signs in their eyes probably right yeah. And uh, they started selling, you know, things knit with hashtag resistance type stuff. Um, and they've made this huge empire. And and what really did it was when the Muslim ban happened. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, sorry, I got to do a. Uh, when the the Muslim Muslim ban. Uh, Things took, let me read this. Things took a turn after Lingua Franca after Trump initiated the travel ban. At the time, the brand had three FIT students from Iran who were sewing for the company. When hmm. Haruska McPherson came to the office, they were crying, wondering if they could ever go home to see their families again. It was the first time in my white privileged life I had politics affect me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. They started embroidering things like I miss Barack. Oh, okay. <laughs> you well, know, how much is that? $400. <laughs> so they have these uh, Iranian interns. <laughs> yeah. Doing this work for free. Um, and I think they probably pay. I saw somewhere they paid them. So great. Great. But um, yeah, it's like, it's a whole thing and it's meant to be like, this big show of power, but it's just consumerism. Right. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't confuse just, actual movement building for consumerism. It's just marketing identities. And I think it's, it, this is like a kind of big example of that, but mm, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on like this, that we have to be more aware of that. We're getting caught up into the, we're, we're getting caught up into the marketing of identity the marketing of awareness and things like that. Right. But we're not actually like doing anything. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to read up, I don't even have much more to say about lingua I, franca. It's just, it's just kind of silly. That's my only <laughs> thought about that. Speaking of money and marketing. Uh-huh. We're going to uh, <laughs> indulge in some right now. This is awkward. Yeah. Um, what you should spend your money on rather than a $380 sweater. It is actually political action to go to patreon.com slash good stuff. Is that, that what is it true. is? Yeah. Patreon.com slash good stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Yep. Uh, go we there. make good stuff here. Uh, <laughs> we make know. this stuff. Um, you yeah. can pay for it. Yeah. Um, and this and you if you do this you don't have to feel any sense of like guilt you know you this is this is an example of you checking your privilege right yeah this absolves you of, and also uh, you can come into our discord and yell at me and because you paid money i will uh not argue back <laughs> i will simply take it <laughs> yeah we'll just we'll just be punching bags yeah you can tell us uh how we feel and essentially you can use your money to influence us. Yes. This way. is a quid pro quo. You are literally paying <laughs> us to receive the podcast. I want to be yeah. clear about that. 
and 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 you you will get you know you'll get access to other stuff on the network you get like free shows behind the scenes and things and you get access into a discord server which if you don't know what discord is it's like a chat room thing it's like slack for for uh hackers slack for hackers, gamers slack, slack for gamers uh and yeah so you can join there but we, we always feel bad because we're like basically freeloading off of uh the good stuff podcast network yeah <laughs> we, we don't we don't compensate them for the uh you know the 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 bandwidth or the storage or anything uh yeah. they deign to to allow us <laughs> on the network so um, we feel like it's only right that we let you know that you can help you know them pay for some of that yeah by, please please help keep the lights on yeah that would be good um i don't know did you have any other general announcements i think yeah, I just wanted to end with this. This is, uh, you know, from our, our lovely public servants, um, one of our great public agencies, the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, just some advice before you head out. Um, they tweeted, pack your petroleum-based gear for your next BLM adventure on public lands. Did you know more than 6,000 products, including insect repellent, fishing rods, canoes, and tents, are byproducts of crude oil? Learn how minerals improve everyone's quality of life on hashtag Mineral Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Mineral Monday. Hey, man. so this well, is just a little native I, ad for oh the gosh. oil companies. I can't believe another year went by and I didn't celebrate Mineral Monday. Oh, it happened. You know, it happens earlier every year. That's, <laughs> that's why I keep saying. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was not prepared for this. I'm trying and I'm learning. Thank you for your patience. There's so many mistakes I have already made, but I'm working to be better day by day. And I think I'm gonna make it, but for now I'll say I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing.